Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose Views. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. Hey, good morning, uh, Chicago players, progressive players, and all you other cool cats and catettes, I guess you could say, out the cats and kittens and all that good stuff. Hey, uh, it's Richard Chu. Uh, good morning. It's Chu's View, 773-763-9278. So listen, I'll start right off by telling you guys, as I was telling uh, Henry, who's got us up and running and on the right rails, that um, I'm having some cell phone issues this morning. So I might not be able to uh, to keep up with some of the commentary that you guys lay down on uh, social media. So I apologize in advance, but um, you can certainly uh, catch this uh, broadcast on Facebook Live and uh, um, um, SoundCloud. So I just wanted to let you guys know that um, I'll do my best to see. I've restarted my phone four or five times since I woke up, and it's just not being kind. It's not giving me the signal that I would want to be able to access things. So I'm going to do my best to keep uh, keep track of what you guys have to say on social and um I guess I'll be making a, um, uh, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'll be making a trip to the AT&T store somehow today. Uh, but that being said, uh, here we are. Today is the, oh, what, we're looking at the 22nd already? Goodness gracious. Um, but that leads us to something that I think you guys probably already know, what's around the corner. And that is we're basically 30 days out from the beginning of spring. So I'm super excited about that, which which leads us into, you know, the the spring fling, also known as baseball. And, um, you know, many teams are already at their uh, excuse me, their training camps um, and are getting ready for the season. So for the baseball heads out there, it's exciting. Uh, We're 30 days away from spring and we'll start to see the first signs of uh, baseball uh, sooner than later, which is exciting. On that topic, uh, the White Sox are pushing pretty hard. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is, is pushing pretty hard to get that $1 billion uh, grant, or subsidy is the right word, for a new Sox stadium, which, you know, I don't see anything wrong with the current stadium. I mean, you know, I, I get that the teams are... And this is happening all over the country, um, that the teams are all about having the most modern, up-to-date uh, facility. And I get that. And then, and then, um, But the thing that I don't always lean into positively is the, the, where the money's coming from in terms of you know, tax subsidies. Um, we could talk about federal funding of different things. For example, our federal funding, we just, just heard this um, on the AP uh, bit about... You know, money going to Ukraine and money going to the Middle East and other parts of the world. <clears throat> and candidly, having sports teams get these subsidies for um, sports facilities, you know, I, I can go back and forth on that in terms of where and how much I support it. I get the logic behind it as a business owner and, and understanding the numbers to a, to a great extent. I get that that you know the sports teams provide jobs. It's obviously entertainment. And um, but the jobs that they provide in the, in the community affect uh, positively the um, 
the economics of that community. So I understand that you know having a great stadium attracts people to more games. Uh, potentially, if it's a, if it's a successful team, it sells more tickets, et, et cetera, et cetera. Vendors, the whole nine. I get the I get the layering and the structure behind that. Um, it's just that you know I think that a lot of communities that are trying to grow and develop could use those same subsidies to help in developing those communities and businesses in those communities. And particularly when you look at something like baseball in Chicago, baseball, baseball period, but baseball is a six month out of the year season. So six months out of the other six months, uh, and I'm just making it simple in terms of the, the time, the, the um, 12 months out of the year, the other 12 months, um, what is that business doing? What is that stadium doing when the season is not in, in, in play? Um, to help with the economy in that community. So, you know, the, the, the local businesses, just to give you an example, on 31st Street uh, aren't really happening. So I know they aren't really, they're not happening during the non-season. Uh, I get that some of the logic behind this new White Sox Stadium is to make it more community-friendly and to provide people with other uh, things to do in the area, kind of like what's happening up in Wrigleyville. Um, and I understand that that dynamic as well. And you go to Wrigleyville, and when the Cubs aren't playing, there's things happening. The bars are open, the restaurants are open, and other businesses are there. Um, and by comparison to the White Sox current stadium, that's not really the dynamic. There are there's some activity, but it pales to what happens up in Wrigleyville. And some of that's also due to the fact that it's it's uh, residential. And um, meaning Wrigleyville is more residential than where the White Sox Stadium is. Um, so their move could affect the 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 tax base in that residential area. It could affect the businesses that could come. So you know, keep in mind, I understand both sides of the issue, or the not just both sides, but the multi sides or facets of the issue of funding a new stadium uh, for any sports team. Um, the new stadium in Vegas has been a huge hit. Uh, however, some of the local politicians there in the state of Nevada, uh, particularly when it comes to education, uh, are a little concerned about how much of that money is going to actually filter back into or flow back into their general economy that and, and the effect on their um, public um, public education budget. So it's a, it's a topic, um, and this is another one that affects us all in one way or another. So I will um, lean into that as, as much as possible. Um, let's see. Malcolm and Martin had a, um, they had a meeting um, that was deemed as their uh, kind of first real meeting where they were pulling their followers together. And there's a documentary. This is my little um, um, uh, Black History Month moment, if you will. Um, there's a documentary that's out right now that you guys should check out, um, Malcolm and Martin, uh, and I think you'll, you will appreciate it. So give that an eyeball. Uh, uh, speaking of, of uh, watching stuff, guess check this out. Um, I got to read this one to you. It's really kind of cool when I saw this yesterday. Um, US, for U.S. viewers, YouTube still rules. Uh, YouTube has continued its reign as the top U.S. streaming platform and, um, as a result that came through in January. <clears throat> Excuse me, capping a full year, 2023, with the most minutes watched on television, according to Nielsen's uh, data that came out on Tuesday. Um, and the 
the current average right now is the, the in terms of U.S. or American TV viewers is more than one billion hours watched um, uh, on YouTube every single day. That's crazy, and that's also suggesting, according to this article, that um, the content that's being generated is ever is increasing um, each year. So. Um, you know, I guess that, uh, if you are one that streams, um, and you do watch a lot of things on your box or your device, uh, that, uh, YouTube is, is the way to go. And then what I'm seeing is that YouTube is, is become, becoming even more popular as, uh, uh, what, what it makes me think of is the old, uh, TiVo where if you miss something, you can Google it or not Google it, but you can go to your YouTube, um, and, and search and pull up a whole bunch of stuff. And so, you know, that's also one of the things that like during the playoffs, one of the things that I saw are a lot of, um, um, posts and, and, and clips and cuts from people who had, um, uh, were pulling plays and games, um, from the 49ers and from the chiefs and from the other teams that were, that were making it along the playoffs. So YouTube is still the, still the King, um, when it comes to, uh, U.S. viewers in their streaming platform. Um, for those who are soccer fans, J.P. Morgan uh, has renewed the Messi mania. And I found this kind of interesting. Lionel Messi uh, and Inter-Miami will play the the opening match in the Superstars' first full ML- MLS uh, match. Um, and it's been, uh, I guess, the, they renamed the stadium as well. So J.P. Morgan, once again... Um, has uh, agreed to two-year naming rights uh, with this deal, and they are going to uh, continue to grow this venture. It marks the latest effort to capitalize on Messi's the, the Messi hype, which you guys all have known um, and been following, whether you're into soccer or not. But it's kind of hard to not know who Messi is. Um, Royal, Caribbean, Royal Caribbean has uh, up their sponsorship, Adidas jerseys, um, and the tickets for events have all. Um, increased as a result of this um, backing from J.P. Morgan and this backing um, with um, or from Royal Caribbean. So a lot of things that are happening. I like to give you guys um, some of the updates each day because there's some some things that are that are key to our our day to day activity, but also things that just general curiosity. Uh, This is one one last one I'll throw at you guys before we uh, hit this quick break. More A.I. is coming to Gmail. Um, so what that means is Google is opening up the floodgates, as it reads, to its AI models. Um, yesterday, it rebranded its AI assistant, Gemini, and, and that will be available to users of apps, including Gmail, Docs, and Sheets through a uh, Google One AI uh, premium subscription. So for those who have the basic, uh, if you up this a bit, you will have a, have a even stronger um uh, AI platform to use. So AI is here. I, t- I was talking to a gentleman a couple of weeks ago about AI in general. And the thing that he said, which was probably as simple as you can make it is, you know, don't fear AI, figure out how to in some way use it or at least better understand it. So, you know, I think that's kind of where we are with a lot of technology. And like I said earlier, my cell phone decided it was going to uh, take a, mor- a morning's break when I'm, which I'm not happy about, um, but it does lean into the conversation. How do you live without your cell phone? So, guys, we're going to take a quick break. This is Choose Views. The number is 773-763-9278. We'll be right back.
It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Welcome back to Choose Views. Uh, Thursday morning here in the great city of Chicago. A few other things uh, to share with you guys. The um, With the primaries coming up, there's a lot of activity with uh, candidates running for office, whether they be local, uh, local offices, state, or regional. Um, so just to give you guys some updates, uh, Clayton Harris III uh, running for Cook County State, uh, uh, for the Cook County State Attorney's um, race um, is going to be having a meet and greet on Saturday, Eighth uh, Ward Democratic Committee kickoff uh, Saturday the twenty fourth at one p.m. at eighty seven thirty four South Stony Island. So I'm all about letting you guys know you know who's running, where they're having events, just so that you can decide if you want to go out and support someone or go out and find out what someone's talking about. May or may not be in your district or your area, um, or it may be in this case a state. Uh, a state office, as I talked about before, we got to navigate the state offices as much as we do the federal offices. So I want to just try to keep you guys up to speed on things that are happening. Uh, so it's a meet and greet uh, Saturday and um, should be an interesting. It's at the S2 City Grill, 8734 South Stony Island. Um, and uh, it'll also be an opportunity to meet uh, with Mariana Spiropoulos, who's also a candidate for uh, the clerk of... Um, uh, circuit uh, cook candidate for clerk of the circuit court. That's a tough one to read if you can't get it, read it slowly. So uh, just giving you guys some updates on some things that are happening. Get involved, be involved, make sure you are out there uh, asking the questions of candidates on any level to see what they're doing uh, and what their platforms are. Um, in the 645 hour, we're going to have a guest caller, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, um, Dino Miliatis, who will be here to chat a little bit about something that's important to us um, because it's a it's a national it's been a national conversation as it relates to the opioid crisis. And uh, so we're going to lean in with this and chat this morning. And I'm looking forward to having him on to uh, bring us some updates on what he's been working on. But um, as we talk a little bit about medical, I guess you could kind of put these two these dotted lines together. Um, and you guys have heard this this week and as it relates to the Alabama Supreme Court. And I, you know, my, my commentary on this is kind of a WTF when it comes to this embryos are our life or embryos are our babies or children. Um, and, you know, I, I, I really don't want to pretend to be a scientist here or a doctor, certainly, but the common sense part of my brain kicks in when I hear certain things. So in, in, if, if someone can, you know, medically or scientifically prove differently and take this out of politics, then we can have a conversation. But, um, the last time I checked for those who lean into their Christian values of, um, the breadth of life, significance of God, um, you know, America, we get it. We have to be, we have to be a little bit more, um, common sense when it comes to certain things and how they're going to impact people. And you can see that the, that the, um, the state Supreme court is, is kind of not, they're not walking back this decision that embryos are life, but they are pressing pause because they, they, they recognized based on how they're talking about it now that it may have been a little bit of an overreach because the, um, the opportunity for IVF doesn't have any political 
uh, stripe to it or political gang associated with it. Whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, independent, you don't participate in politics. This is something that once a um, a state court or a state Supreme Court makes a decision on, it impacts everybody and it doesn't give people the opportunity to make a net, um, make a uh, what I'll call a family decision on their cho- uh, 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 choice to to uh, have a family. And so, you know, this is this is what it looks like when you give um, or when you and I, and I lean this lean this into Republicans. What's happening in Alabama uh, is a good example of what it can look like when we have this conversation around states' rights. Okay, um, and as I'm reading as much as I can on this, there is a possibility that the Supreme Court won't have an opportunity to lean into this if it were if it were to get that to that point or potentially get. Um, outside of the state Supreme Court in Alabama, but the U.S. Supreme Court may not have an opportunity to lean into this because they kind of gave up their their um, uh, their ability to, to to take a case like this if it were to get that far, based on the the Dobbs decision of turning it back to the states when it comes to um, um, abortion rights and and uh, uh, birth care rights. So. You know, this is what happens in some cases, Republicans, when you give certain uh, things back to the states. Uh, this is, you know, this is a decision that they've made, or at least at, at this point, it's it's a decision that's that's going to have a, a huge amount of impact. Um, and if this makes it makes it more difficult for someone to have um, a choice or a family to have a choice with how they want to go about starting a family, it's going to impact everybody in that state. Um, so this is one of those moments where you just have to say, be careful, um, and you know, be careful what you ask for. Um, there's a great article in the guardian on this that I think you guys should take a peek at the guardian's a good, um, source, relatively neutral, um, with regard to our politics in the United States. So, uh, give a peek at the, just Google IVF, um, IVF, Alabama, Alabama Supreme court, on uh, the guardian and you'll, you'll find a really, um, good article in that space. Um, and for some of those who want to say that this doesn't touch the politicians, you know, once again, I, I just, I got to say this about Nikki Haley. Sometimes I feel like she is a, um, she gets up in the morning and she goes to the front door and she licks her fingers, sticks it outside to see which way the wind is blowing. I really do. Because when I saw her comment now, granted, from what we've seen, what we've heard, that um, that she was someone that, and it's her right, and I support this, to uh, utilize IVF when she uh, for for one of her um, um, child uh, uh, um, for one of her pregnancies. I couldn't think of the right word. Um, and I'm doing the best I can to be as respectful as I can as a guy in this subject in this uh, in this space. So. But she leaned into this by saying that she thinks that embryos um, are babies. Now, that's her perception. That's her belief because, you know, like many of us, she's got an experience that many of us don't have. Um, at the same time, uh, politically, um, I think that there's a, the, the challenge here is 
alienating those who don't have the same access, don't have the same um, financial means to do what she did. So it's just a slippery slope. Um, It's even one for me to talk about it without the medical and scientific background. I just think that sometimes this whole conversation about um, um, states' rights uh, can get a little bit fuzzy. And this is one of those um, one of those areas, at least at least as I'm seeing it. Um, talking about some other things that are happening in in various states um, that I think is inter- interesting. Maine is about to become the 27th state in the country to ban paramilitary training. Um, so we talked a little bit about guns earlier, and I told you guys I'd probably have a um, a, a slightly different, not a different, but some additional uh, um, information or at least thoughts about it. One of the things that, uh, and it's, it's, um, it did pass from, from what I read that the, um, the main leg- state legislature, and this again, again goes back to what I've said all along about the purple plan and what I said all along about being beyond just uh, the federal uh, election. We have to look at what's happening in the states. And so I want to talk, I'm just trying to lean into the, the state conversation a little bit today. But um, the, this proposal is, is designed um, to block groups hoping to create civil unrest. And it passed 66 to 60. Uh, it was sponsored by um, state Democratic Rep. Lori Osher um, of a town called Orano. Um, and um, the measure comes in the wake of the rise of public demonstrations by, quote-unquote, white nationalist groups. And I, I prefer when people use white nationalists rather than white supremacists because I don't believe anybody's supreme to another group. So I don't really reference those folks as white supremacists, but white nationalists. Uh, but in any event, supporters, um, including the uh, including Representative Osher, have said it would prevent groups from organizing for the purpose of terrorizing marginalized groups. Now, the word, I, I have to kind of lean into this a little bit only be, uh, because of, we don't want to prevent groups from organizing and protesting, because that's a slippery slope. But uh, and as it relate to, relates to states' rights and state, um, um, a citizen of a particular state having rights to do certain things and groups to get together, I don't want to see groups be unable to protest. But in this case, the specifics of the language of the, of the bill said it's designed to prevent groups from organizing for the purpose of terrorizing marginalized groups. So that, to me, is where this legislation really got its teeth because it was specific to the actions of the groups that are organizing. So um, some of the Republicans uh, in Maine, and, uh, and, and they've got some interesting uh, laws with regard to guns um, and gun rights advocates have spoken out against the proposal, obviously. Um, some are saying that it's going to infringe upon a uh, person's second rights, Second Amendment rights, which is kind of lame when you think about it, because if they're organizing, if a if a uh, if a white nationalist group is organizing um, to protest something, that's one thing. But if they're organizing to terrorize marginalized groups, then that means that they're using they're they're potentially using guns or having guns as part of their display, which they're allowed to do based on the Second Amendment. So the actual 
pushback from the Republicans doesn't make sense because if they the, the this from what I've read isn't saying that they're not allowed to in the state that does allow uh, 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 them to carry weapons in a in a um, what's what's the word I'm looking for Henry open carry um, they're not saying you can't do that they're saying you can't organize to terrorize marginalized groups so. Um, it's a nice pushback Republicans in the state, but it's probably not going to work because, I mean, they got a 66 to 60 um, uh, spread on the vote. So uh, just giving you guys some um, some texture there. It still has to pass the Senate um, and um, it looks pretty good that it will. But this is one of those opportunities for groups. Uh, I'm sorry, for legislators to make sure that groups are still have their rights to protest, but not in a way that's going to be harmful to other people. And I think that's ultimately what Maine is trying to say here. So the number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we will be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. In a few minutes, we're going to have uh, our guest caller, uh, Dino Miliatis, to talk a little bit about the opioid crisis and what he's doing to lean into that that area so this morning is a little bit more cerebral i wanted to you know kind of talk about some things that are happen happening legislatively i thought that might be a little bit of a good thing today uh certainly with what's happening down in alabama uh certainly what's happening with uh some of our candidates that are running here in the chicago metropolitan area and then the uh i don't know if i mentioned this or not when i mentioned the the main um banning paramilitary training Maine's not the first state. It would be the 27th state to ban um, paramilitary training. Um, but again, the specifics of that is to prevent groups from organizing for the purpose of terrorizing marginalized groups, which I think is important. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on that story. Um, so why is it that so many people right now are clutching their pearls about what to do. When you heard me talk about the purple plan yesterday, I listed out some, um, uh, I listed out some information for, uh, John Tester for, uh, Ruben Gallego. And of course, uh, reaching out to, uh, uh, Senate majority leader, Chuck Schumer. So, uh, the, the not clutching your pearls, I should say clutching your pearls versus doing some work is kind of where you got to be. And I, I listened to a lot of things yesterday on the radio, some things on television. And um, what what I'm seeing, which is kind of encouraging, is the pushback um, that we're getting now from progressives who are just kind of tired of fighting from the, from the back of their heels. And it's encouraging to see that people are actually, um, for lack of better words, uh, and I, when I say people, I'm talking about uh, some of our, our voters and activist groups are taking the message, taking the fight to the um, to the other side, if you will, the other side politically. And that is the that that and as a category is the message is taking the fight rather than being caught off guard. And I hope that we can. The reason that I that I'm encouraging folks to uh, sign up for the newsletters, to call the offices, to go to the websites of the candidates is because it gives us an opportunity to to have some skin in the game, to fight back, to be part of the process. And that way, when you when you link that to what we get our elected officials to do, you then know that you've done everything you can. I, I heard um, I heard the phrase that, you know, the day after an election, you want to be completely just 
wiped out from every from having done everything that is conceivable that you could do to help in any of the elections that you want to participate in, which is why I try to give you guys, since we're in primary season, why I try to give you guys updates about where, where, where candidates are and what they're doing. Um, you know, whether you're, whoever you're going to vote for in some of our local elections, make the, make the rounds. It's a good thing to do on a Saturday. If you've got, you know, if you're in that particular part of the city or part of the counties, in the Collar counties, and someone's got something going on, check it out. You don't have to, you know, um, make yourself crazy with it, but get involved. I mean, that's, that's kind of my thing right now. It's not my thing. I, that sounds so cheesy. I apologize. It's the thing that I'm leaning into right now because we've got, you know, these six, eight, nine, six, eight, ten months before the election. And the, the thing that I, when I was saying earlier that I kind of saw or, or observed yesterday, I'm starting to see a little bit of a groundswell of people pushing back and voters getting involved is um, even though I can't access my social media from my phone this morning, I got a lot of people that were thankful for the numbers and the uh, websites and the, the newsletter acknowledgments of those three um, um, candidates or those three um, uh, senators and, and uh, House member Gallegos who's running for senator. So I'm going to keep doing that. I'll have more information on other other uh, races um, in the days and weeks to come, just to keep this in the top of get, keep this top of mind for everyone, so that you've got some tools that you can use to be helpful in these races. Uh, and the same thing applies when state races. Um, yesterday, I think it was. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly who it was that called in. One of our callers yesterday said that you know he really wants to be. It may have been Phil. Um, more involved or more able to let folks that he knows, family and friends that are in other states, become part of the process when it comes to uh, their local elections. Way, the way, one of the ways to do that is, this is the beauty of Google, um, and, and I'm, I'm becoming, my, my wife and I will joke about something, and we'll, there'll be a question about something, and sure enough, and I'm sure you guys do the same thing, uh, she'll say to me, well, look it up on Google. You know, and, and at least that's a starting point. What I'm what I'm trying to say here is, you guys, when if there's like Phil was saying, you know, I want to be able to help my family that's down in Georgia with some of the races that are going on. I think he said Georgia, so I hope I'm right there. But that he wants to be able to be part of that process. That's where you can take advantage of Google, and you know, just Google Georgia, uh, you know, local races in Georgia or local. Uh, that might bring up something different though. You put local races in Georgia. Anyhow, a little bit of side silliness. Um, local, you know, uh, uh, political races in, in Georgia or any other state. But I'm going to do the work as much as I can to keep you guys posted on things that are happening. Uh, I know with, with our uh, callers showing up in a bit, let's take a quick call. Uh, and top of the morning to you, Diane. What's going on this morning? Welcome to Choose Views. Diane, are you there? Hi. I didn't hear my name. I'm sorry. I was thinking. That's all right. Okay. Yeah. You're you're tripping over your words just like I do. The Guardian is great. It, it has a free app. There's two apps. One you can pay for with in-depth news. One that's free, except they throw in, you know, contribute money. What you have to understand is where they get their sources and who's talking, because they speak British and we speak American. <laughs> and those are, well, okay, I, I come up to you and I say, oh, my God, what happened to your bonnet? 
What do you think of? To the to what? Say that again. If I come up to you and observe and say, "What happened to your bonnet?" To my bonnet. Oh, okay. Well, as far as I know, you're you're speaking of bonnet. Uh, are you speaking in in terms of a of a, of a, of a, of a go ahead? Sorry. American versus British. Well, you're going to have to tell okay. me because I, I listen. This is the thing that I, okay. I that, that I don't do is I don't pretend I know something. I don't know, but I know what you're talking okay. about in general conversation about Thanks. there are British gotcha. affectations that are different than U.S. Act no, affectations. Please. So I get that part, um, but you know my okay. my yeah. bonnet. My, <laughs> we're, yes, we're tripping over each other. You go ahead, Diane. Okay, in British. Bonnet is the car hood. Okay. The, the okay. In American, it's a hat. That I knew that it's a hat, but a bonnet. Yes, it's okay. the front. It's the it's the rate. It's the raising of the hood uh, versus the boot, which is the trunk that we refer to a, to a car. So okay. yeah. Too much detail. I got more to cover, and you're not going to let me. Okay. Um, what you were saying about Maine and. I deduced from what you said that they're going to not allow you to organize. They're, you're not going to be able to protest. No, that's okay. not. Cor- that's not. That's not correct. That's and I made wait, a point. Wait, I made wait, a point. No, 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 wait, Diane. Wait. Diane, I stop people when they say something that's not correct about something that I said, particularly on the air. Uh, what I said was clearly. I made it. I, I said that the one challenge that we have with this is that. We don't want that bill to be something that's giving people the impression that they can't protest because that's a freedom of speech issue. And that we right. the, the way that they're writing this legislation is that it's saying that they can't organize for the purpose of terrorizing marginalized groups. That's what the, the legislation is actually saying. And that's why I wanted to be clear so that it wasn't interpreted that people can't protest. Okay, what I... 95% sure I know in Florida, it is illegal for five people to meet on a street corner because they might be protesters. Okay. In other words, they take, okay. And then um, the, the in vitro eggs in whatever, um, that the eggs are human people, whatever the right word is, that, that part of your, your beginning story. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, what's, I heard you say that. I don't think it's going to last because they're not going to be able to sue the utility companies if there's a bad power failure. You so heard, I don't think you, that. You heard me say that? No, that's what I heard. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, you're saying that, that you, um, heard, you heard that they won't be because of the, the IVF conversation? No, because whenever they make, they, whoever the opposition is, the MAGA people, make up a law to stop something, they're going to find out that they lose. Like, oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene wrote a book and, and nobody read it, so she didn't make a gazillion dollars. But that goes back to the Republicans used to buy up. Oh, say that Donald Trump's book, whatever, to get it on the bestseller list. So, quote unquote, it was good. You had to read it. Okay. They, they're sneaky. Okay. Um, back to medical. I read The Guardian and the site. And what I see is what's not being said. 
Um, do you know the drug thalidomide in relationship to um, wrecking people's reproductive system, women's reproductive systems? Yes, I do. Okay. In The Guardian, there's some drug that teaches that takes care of the effects of epilepsy, and I don't know if it's a male or female, but in the female part, um, and everybody's doing it and we haven't heard it, um, there is a, the drug that, treat, that these women were given to for their epilepsy starting way before they were fertile. Yeah. Um, it has, so- has, has resulted in... Uh, mutated people that all appear to be the same. I took that as an <coughs> and and it's really horrible. And it took me <coughs> twenty years twenty years to get the word out that it's bad. Yeah. If you, so, Diane, uh, let me yeah. let me let me ask you a quick question. Um, sure. Well, actually, we're gonna we got to get ready to go to a break. Diane, give us a call back as usual. We love hearing from you. We're gonna hit this quick break because we've got a a, a dedicated person calling in today. The number is seven seven. The number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Dino's going to be with us shortly, and uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT eight twenty Chicago's Progressive Talk. Hey guys, we're back. Uh, getting off to a uh, wonderful morning today. I don't have my phone to look at the weather, but I can tell you that it was a little bit of drizzle this morning on the way in. So obviously, as I give my little web uh, or morning weather report, guys, be careful on your commutes. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, and we are going to lean right into this, um, we have a guest caller that um, I wanted to invite to the show to chat a little bit about you know, some things that are happening in the medical space. And today was kind of my medical slash legislative day uh, with some of the things that we've covered. So I wanted to try to keep this sort of in the same ballpark. Um, but um, we have on the line this morning uh, Dino Miliatis uh, with us and um, wanted to chat with him a little bit about some of the things that he's working on as it relates to the opioid uh, crisis in America and the work that he's doing to come to combat uh, this epidemic. So, uh, Dino, welcome to Choose Views. Good morning. Hey, Richard. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Uh, d- how about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, and uh, congratulations on your show. Thank you very much. I'm uh, grateful to be here and to have the show. I'm grateful for the folks that are surrounding the work and particularly the the engineers that keep us on the rails. Henry this morning, Alex, and of course, uh, Devin. So it's a team effort. I appreciate being in the, in the role to, to bring the, to bring the message to uh, our audience as best we can. So thank you. Sure. So Dino, I'm, I'm going to kind of give you the, the, the mic, so to speak, um, I, I, I've given a disclaimer this morning that curiosity is one thing, but you know the knowledge in certain spaces that I don't have, I turn to people who who do. Um, and in this space of the opioid epidemic, um, share with us a little bit about what you're doing, your organization, and uh, what your some of your goals are. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, you know, as we know, this is a crisis. 
I mean, if you just look at the headlines everywhere, you'll you'll see that it's a no brainer. But even in Cook County, you know, record number of opioid related deaths. I mean, you know, it's it's spiking. So basically, you know, uh, I called into the studio. Um, obviously, on hold, waiting for your break. It's been about four minutes. One person in the U.S. dies from an opioid-related overdose every four minutes. If you look at it that way, you understand real quick that there's a serious problem here. Yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, and, and you'll hear, you know, opioid epidemic, opioid epidemic, fentanyl, fentanyl, heroin, Vicodin, Oxy. You'll hear it all the time. I mean, we obviously know there's a problem, but very few are pointing to a viable solution. And that's where we come in. Okay. Um, you know, now, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell your audience uh, and you, you know, I'm a recovering addict from alcohol and substance use. So I know firsthand what it feels like, and I know it's a horrible thing that you wouldn't wish upon anybody. But it is rampant in, in, in the world, um, obviously the U.S., but the world. And something needs to be done because it is something that, um, you, know, you know, people need help. People need help out there. Right. So you so you so, wrote, you wrote a book, um, a, a, basically a, a memoir that's uh, mm-hmm. that's called "There Is No Box," um, and that yes. was something that you wrote to to highlight um, your experience and in your recovery. Um, that was was a game changer for a lot of people who have, for lack of better words, been stricken with this disease or this illness. Well, yeah. I mean, the backstory to this, you know, very quickly, I got clean and sober uh, 7-7-2020. Okay. Not a long time, but you're talking to somebody who's conquered the business world, done a whole bunch of stuff, started. I mean, I'm Chicago raised, Chicago native, you know, and, um, you know, one thing that I could not conquer (laughs) is addiction. Okay. Just, I I just, I, I needed help. So I went into rehab, got out clean and sober, ready to tackle the world. But it was right in the middle of the COVID lockdown. Mm-hmm. So for extra fun, I'm in isolation. I have no family, no friends. I've severed all relations to anybody that I knew, any associates. And I'm just sitting there trying to be good, binge watching TV like everybody else was, not knowing what the future holds for me, not knowing what I want to do, right? And, um, you know, I started getting these you know, maybe maybe like almost a year later, started getting these horrible cravings as if I just quit. Right. I just didn't understand what it was. Right. So being somebody who wants to not slip up, I mean, I I rushed myself to the ER and I'm there and, you know, the, the, the health professionals are poking and prodding me. How do you feel? I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like doing? I don't know. Um, are you taking any medication? No. Have you had a drink? No. You know, and they're like, well, there's nothing we can do for you. Go home. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so frustrated that, man, can't you just, like, give me something? Can't you, like, you know, and they, they, they gave me a phone number, uh, you know, to contact some um, counselors, to contact some psychiatrists. And, you know, the, the, the wait was like, well, we can see you in three weeks, in four weeks, right? Now, you're talking to somebody that's abused substances and alcohol for over 20 years, okay? Right. And the thing is, with addiction, it's emotional, right? Mm-hmm. If I want to use, I want to use now. 
So I want to quit. I want to quit now. Okay. I, I, I can't wait three, four weeks. So <laughs> this is the point. This is the point where people have to understand that um, the, the reason the relapse rate is so high, the reason we have these deaths, okay, from overdose, is because people can't wait. When they're ready, they're ready. They're asking for help. It's not a joke, right? And I remember in the back of my mind, I was feeling so frustrated. But, you know, through the grace of God, and I, I just had true grit, uh, instead of using or drinking, I decided to write a book. Okay, so it took seven, eight months to write this book, nonstop, 12 hours a day. I, I wasn't thinking about using. Okay, thank God. Mm-hmm. But when I was finished with the book, it opened up doors for me because what I thought was my weakness. Oh, here's a business guy who's now a re- recovering addict. You know, who's mm-hmm. going to want me? I looked at it as shame. But actually, it was the stripes that I now wear proudly. I mean, my struggle became my strength. Right. Yep. And so all these people started reaching out. Oh, my God, you inspired me. Oh, you know, well, let me tell you what's wrong with me. You know, I, I'm a college dropout. I'm not smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, <laughs> I understand people and I understand people in pain. And the only thing that I could share is something that I personally walked through my personal experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to thousands and thousands of people. and I'm, I'm loving it. But still, as I'm speaking around the country. You know, the thing that's just a horrible thing to see is people that are hooked on, especially fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is night of the living dead. If you ever want to see a zombie, see some of these people and then talk to their families mm-hmm. and witness firsthand shattered lives. I mean, just torn apart. They're not there themselves. I mean, there's somebody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're not thinking logically like when people say, well, why don't you stop? Yeah, easier said than done. Well, let okay. me let me let me lean so, in, let me lean into that with you for a second because um, sure. one one I want to make sure we hit our brick, but I also got to tell you a thing that just 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 struck me. Um, my wife and I watched a couple of the of the movies and, and docudramas on the opioid crisis. One of which was Dope Sick, and that yes. there there is a part there was a the, um, a scene in the in the in the um, in the movie that really struck me and it's it stayed with me to, to to link this up to what you just said they're not themselves they're not they're 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 different there's a scene in the movie where um the uh gosh what's his name i'm i'm drawing a blank on the guy that was the lead in the in the in the dog on it um he said that there's a point where um the the oxy chemicals literally do remap your brain. Now, if I'm using the wrong language, please correct me because I want the listeners to understand what's what's right. But he said that, um, that the, the chemicals remap the brain and it, that's when the alteration of personality takes place to the point where a person cannot actually, they, they don't have a a sort of like a place to mental place to go back to that's familiar to them. Um, I know we're kind of to to the listeners. I know we're getting into the weeds on this, but I wanted I wanted to talk about this with Dino because he has the experience. So is that kind of what you've seen happen? That's exactly what I've seen happen. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, he's not the same. She's not the same. They're not themselves. Of course, they're not themselves. I mean, and that's why you hear about all this crime or, you know, how could they do that? Mm -hmm. They're not themselves. They're not 
they're, they're different. I mean, the old person is dead, for yeah. lack of a better word, and, 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 and something else has taken over. So you really need just to dig deep and just find, like, you know, you, you, you can't do cold turkey. I mean, I admire the people who can. I could not. Okay, and um, you know uh, it was uh, alcohol um, was hard to quit, but alcohol is different because of the social aspects. People drink. People ask you, "Well, well how come you're not drinking? How come you can't do one toast?" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But with pills, well, that's interesting. With substances, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. With, with pills, and it's okay. With substances, it's it's different. I mean, it was harder. The withdrawal is so much harder. With with uh, pills, yeah. okay, like it in oxy, um, fentanyl, you know, and and people, you know, unless you uh, unless you've lived it, you just can't comprehend the incredible pain and suffering that these people are going through. Hey, Dino, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to push this through to the to the uh, second hour because I've got some questions and some parallels I want to make with you, and then and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, opiate. The number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. I'm talking with Dino Miliatis, who's going to stay with us um, until the second hour to talk a little bit of, a little bit more about his experience and what he's doing to help people across the country. This is Choose Views, and we'll be right back. It's Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey, guys, welcome back. The number is 773-763-9278. I'm Richard Chu, and this is Choose Views. Uh, We've been talking with um, my man Dino Miliatis about the opioid uh, epidemic and crisis and his experience, and uh, we're going to bring Dino back to talk a little bit about uh, some of the other parts of what he's doing. Hey, Dino, welcome back. Hey, so you thanks were, for having me. You're welcome. Um, you were you were talking about the the, the difference between the substance, for a bit, um, the addiction as it relates to alcohol and the addiction that it, as it relates to pills. And one of the things that popped up, and I, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, is how the I, I, when you said that, the thing that popped into my head immediately was Matthew Perry. And what I mean by that is he was being interviewed by, I forgot, but some reporter, this was a while ago, that basically he explained that he can't even go out socially. And in the business that he was in, that was particularly tough. So he had to make the decision that he couldn't drink at any point, at any time, no matter what, because he only had, he only got one shot. And that was, you know, if he had one drink, he was done because after that, his addiction would take over because of the, you know, how, how powerful that addiction was. So tell me about, um, and I know we're, we're talking about, um, the generally addictions, but specifically, um, the opioid epidemic. Tell me what you are doing as spokesperson for, uh, opiate. Sure. Sure. So, um, it was a chance meeting. Uh, that I I met the founder of uh, Opiate, and he's um, just a brilliant man, uh, a, a genius. Actually, the, the the entire team just made up of the finest minds in the world. And so he was explaining to me the concept and what they wanted to do, and the the, the main goal, their true north, is to make sure that you know 
their neighbors, that's what he calls them, he doesn't call them addicts, are able to come home at night Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of families that are torn apart. I mean, he's so smart that for the first 10 minutes of our conversation, I think I understood the word hello. (laughs) 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 That was about it. Hey, Dino, you were in the right room then because you weren't the smartest person in the room, right? No, no, not, not even close. You know, the, the thing I had with me like, all my life, I understand people, right? And for some reason, the, the only reason, actually, that I understood and got this concept about opiate was because of that experience that I was explaining before the break, that I was in the ER and I was so frustrated. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, they're asking me all these questions. Well, let's try this. Uh, let's put you on this medication for two months and see what happens. We can either up the dose or we could change it. Dude, I don't have time for that. I'm an <laughs> addict, okay? <laughs> I want to use now. And I never, I, I, never heard, now. I never heard the, the, the want to use now. We've seen it's been, you know, uh, in, in, in so much of the media, it's been so much of the movies and shows. We've seen that that person's drive. They got to have it now. But what I didn't know, and I'm sure lots of our listeners maybe didn't know this, uh, so I'll put a maybe on that, is the need to stop was as equally immediate. It, it is. I mean, because... Because you're going to rationalize with yourself. Well, you know, I, I, I got a I got a party coming up. I got a birthday coming up. I had somebody that I was walking through trying to get them off uh, alcohol, and and she was like, "Well, I'll stop uh, after my wedding because it's coming up in a month, and everybody's going to be drinking." So if you don't handle it now, like when somebody wraps their mind around the fact that I got to quit and I got to quit now, you don't have a month. Because you're going to talk yourself out of it. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so important. Look, when I went to rehab, upon giving, coining out, that's what they call it when you graduate, whatever mm-hmm. they call it, mm-hmm. right? The counselor just shocked me, scared me to death, and said, look to your left and look to the people to your right, and 97% of them are going to relapse within a year. Wow. And we may lose some. And I was like, are you kidding me? I did all this work. I'm I'm not going to be one of these people. This is my first and last time in treatment. I'm sorry. I I just, I I have a life. Yeah. So back to um, opiate, that's the reason, the only reason that I got it is because of, again, my personal experience. And I was like, man, I wish this technology existed when I was in that ER. And I wish that the health professionals had the technology that we now have. So that, they, you know, because look, when they're asking me, how do I feel? I don't know. Okay. That's emotional. Or I could be shy or I could be embarrassed or I could have had a bad day or I could be like anxious. You know, all those things affect facts. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the same token, the health professional may have had a bad day. They may have had a car wreck before they came into the office. They may be going on lack of sleep. Okay, and keep in mind that health professionals, your average health professional is trained only eight hours on substance use disorder. Wow. You get that eight hours. Now I'm not knocking health professionals. I love them. We love them. Okay, but the point is, here's let me explain in a regular guy (laughs) the technology. Okay, (laughs) again, College dropout, I'm raising my hand. You guys can't see it, but okay. So this is a regular guy's take on it. 
Okay. So a health professional comes to see you, whether you go in the ER, whether you go into a hospital or, or you know, a visit, what, what have you, right? They have about five to ten minutes to see you. They have questions to ask you. You either ask them honestly or they're based on emotion or pride or ego or what have you or fear. Um, and then you, you, they have your medical records, okay? These are medical records that exist on anybody, okay, mm-hmm. that goes in, in, in for, for any type of treatment. They have to sort through all kinds of things, almost like a speed reader. I mean, seriously, it's like beat the clock for the doctors. <laughs> I feel sorry for them. You know, okay, okay, you had an ankle sprain, you, you had a broken leg, where's the, where's the addiction part? You know, I mean, so here's what opiate does. Step one, we take existing records that all clinicians have, all health professionals have, and we organize them, almost like a closet organizer, where you know where your suits are, you know where your shirts are, you know where your V-necks are, you know where your whites, your blues, your, okay? Yep. So that's the first step. So what we do is we help them to see specifically the historical data that exists on each person for this, for the abuse, for substance use, okay? Got it. That's step one. Step two, we have the most cutting-edge technology that's now on available on, on uh, smart wearables, like, like most smart watches, okay? Right, right, right. That take the biometrics of the person, okay? So we have biometrics, and we have that organized closet, and now add in, sprinkle in this proprietary uh, AI technology that Opiate has. And now the numbers, now the data becomes predictive, and prescriptive. Okay, got it. Wow. Yeah. So what it'll do is it'll, uh, okay, so, so you know, full, let me just tell you, Opiate is not a doctor's office. It's a data science company. And we're not the doctor, okay? But what we do is we provide the health professionals with the latest and greatest cutting-edge tools so they can make real-time decisions. Mm-hmm. Again, Let's go back and say your average health professional has been trained only eight hours. So they're not going to fight this. They love this. They're like, are you kidding me? You give me something that I, you know, I can make great decisions on. I can make, and I can, I can make, uh, I can get some traction and I can make progress in helping the person who is stricken with this, this this illness and this disease. Um, So, you know, Dina, we, we, we're going to come up on a quick break. Um, When we come back, we'll kind of wrap up. Uh, I have a couple of pointed questions I want to ask you about um, sure. this, and then um, we'll definitely make sure we have you back for uh, for another segment in the, in the future. Uh, the number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we'll be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. And we're back, guys. Uh, this is Richard Chu with Chu's Views, and we're talking with uh, spokesmen and uh, I guess I just have to say big arms around a problem, uh, Dino Miliatis, who is a spokes- spokesman for uh, Opiate. Um, so the question I, that, that came to mind, and again, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget, um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, take a few more minutes to chat, but I definitely want to have you back in the future because what you're doing is... is uh, 
it's a, it, it, to say it's important work sounds like I'm I'm um, I'm pandering to you, and I'm not. But it's incredibly important work. The actor I was thinking of was Michael Keaton. Um, so the question I have to ask you, and I know that you know this is a non-political conversation. This is a human. This is a crisis. This is a human crisis. This is a medical crisis. Um, how does our government fit into solving? Or affecting, maybe is a better word, some of the, epi- the the medical, or not medical, but specifically the drug epidemic crises that we have in the country. In your observation, and I know that that's a that's a, that's a big question and not meant to be loaded. Trust me when I when I say that. No, no, no. Listen, listen. I, I believe you, but you know what? An excellent point that you bring up. I mean, here's the deal, right? It doesn't really matter what political side you're on, what what aisle or whatever. I mean, the the, the government, regardless of who's in power, uh, if, if if opiate is at a ten, and the people in our space, a, a lot of really really smart people, are at a ten, the government. Uh, with no disrespect to the government, is probably at a 0.5 on the learning curve. Okay. So they have a lot to learn to catch up to where we are. Now you add in, um, you know, the the government when they get to it, or you know, if, if it's the right climate. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into more than that, but you know, I mean, basically, you're talking about a huge void between government and and the private sector that's doing this cutting-edge, bleeding-edge technology. And so I find, and this is great, it'll probably be another segment, but one of the things that I'm doing with Opiate is we're creating a coalition uh, within our space, um, you know, and and, and it's still a small industry, thank God. But we're taking the concerted effort to, to... to lead the charge and create, as an example, the Hippocratic Oath for AI, okay? The moral, ethical responsibility, um, the responsibility tasks to each creator to make sure that the technology we create, um, uh, we're we're conscious of unintended consequences, okay? And it will be the gold standard in care. In AI, we're talking about health AI. Okay, we're not just talking about like bots, which is <laughs> nothing more than FAQs on steroids. I mean, that's not AI. Okay, but what we're doing is so revolutionary and so cutting edge that we're almost like self-governing ourselves until the government catches up. Yeah, I want to be in front of the ethics committee. In other words, I want to <laughs> help shape the landscape. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I'm just being honest with you. I, I just think that this is so new that it takes a special group to just step out and just say, hey, this may not sound popular right now, but we're doing something that's never been done before. And we've got to be responsible with well, the technology because uh, trust is huge. And yeah. we want to make sure that people aren't afraid of A.I., like Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. <laughs> you know, oh, my God, they're taking over the world. That's not what we're doing. Okay. What we want to do is work hand in hand with health professionals and the government to make sure that there's quality care and we're bringing people home at night and not losing more people. 
Well, Dino, listen, man, I am, I'm thankful that you were able to, to call in and, t- and chat with us today. I'm also, um, eye opening is, is probably the best word, uh, phrase that I can use. Um, and I hope that some of our listeners, uh, have learned a couple of things, if nothing else, some, some language that you've introduced to us today and some uh, statistics about the hours of learning. Um, Henry and I, during the break, I just leaned back and with a deep sigh and I said, by the end of today's show, I will have been on the air for eight hours. And then we were, you know, we were paralleling that with the training um, that the medical professionals have. And to your point, it's not throwing any, any cold water on them. It's just that it's lacking. And that's something that should change, can change. And as a part of this and, and what you're doing, you are definitely a change agent. And, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. I'm glad to have to you. met you in this short window of time these last few weeks and, and that um, we'll be able to kind of lean into this, this, this area together. It's, it's something that's destroyed lives and um, we all kind of know it and, and that there are drug crises all over the, the country, uh, certainly all over the world, inner city, uh, suburban, uh, rural, everybody's impacted by them in one way or another. And that's something that I appreciate you leaning into uh, with your organization. I'm going to have you back. Um, we're not going to yep. we're not going to take everything Thank today. You. I'm going to definitely have you back and talk about some updates and things that you're doing that you're working on. And also, as a spokesperson, a voice that that's important to me, as that I think is important to what we do in the progressive conversation. That we're moving forward, and you said that a couple times that we're moving this conversation forward. So, Dino, I greatly appreciate um, you coming on with us today. Is there a website that, folk, that folks can, um, can go to to find out more about the organization and the work that you guys are doing? Absolutely. It's opiaid, O-P-I-A-I-D dot A-I, opiaid dot A-I. Cool. Well, listen, um, talking with my man, uh, Dino Miliotis, he had the... Um, he had the courage to come on and tell us his story and also work that he's doing now to move us forward. Dino, thanks again for calling in, man. We really appreciate it. We will have you back. And uh, the beauty of, of, of calling in is that you don't have to be in the studio. You can be sitting on a beach in, 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 uh, in south of France talking about the great work <laughs> that you're doing. And if I made, I, you, I made you laugh toward the end of our segment, and, and that, that's part of what I try to do every day. So thank you, brother, for being on the show today. And um, Richard, you're awesome. Thank you. I appreciate everything. All right, man. Be well, be safe, and thanks for all the work you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, what a um, important, uh, wor- great important work that Dino's doing, and I and the reason that I wanted to um, have him on, um, I had the opportunity through a, another friend of mine that's a real a realtor here in Chicago, and we were talking one day, and uh, you know just how conversations meander, and um, shout out to you, Tom, if you're listening, but um, he said, Richard, you I know how you are on on certain issues that impact all of us. Um, and you know, and, and my, my friend Tom knows I'm, I'm, prog- I'm progressive liberal Democrat. He knows that, but he said, I think this is something that could be really uh, a good thing for you to cover because I know you're all about trying to lean into topics that are important to all of us. And this is one that's important to all of us. I, I you know, watching dope sick and other the docudramas on the opioid crisis, 
uh, and other crises as it relates to drugs. So that's why I wanted I wanted to be clear for um, for those who are um, listening to this and thinking, well, what about other drugs and what about other communities and you know other uh, amounts of attention that have been placed on 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 drugs in different parts of the of the inner city, as I said a moment ago, the suburban areas and the and the rural areas. It's all a problem, and it's all it's something that we all can and should lean into um, because hell, as he said, just drinking. I mean, that's that's one right there. And uh, I, I just feel like or felt like it was important to have this be part of our conversation today. And particularly when we're talking about some of the medical decisions that are being made uh, in Alabama. So um, my man, Henry, is, is working with his two extra arms right now to grab the phone line. So um, I wanted to give him a, a little bit of a breather. Uh, and, and, and just sort of say to you guys, um, check out what Dino's doing. We will have him back. And um, as the show grows... And as I said before, as I'm, the description of how I like to see what we're doing with Choose Views is I see myself kind of here as a solid dot in the middle with dotted lines to so many different things that are important to all of us. And this is one of those one of those categories. So um, I hope you guys uh, and I appreciate you guys being patient and letting us have an opportunity to talk about this today, um, maybe a little less political and, and a little bit more uh, what's happening with our, our our health, our medical systems, and such? And I am that guy that says, "Dudes," and this is this is a dude statement. Get yourself checked out. Get to the doctor. Don't be putting it off. Don't be saying that you're okay. I'm good to go, and all that other kind of stuff. Lean into your health, guys. I don't care what age you are. Henry's in his twenties. He's a young cat. He's healthy as hell. But I even said to him, and I've said to other young cats, get to see the doctor. Go in, get checked out. And this is where, and Alex and I were talking about this. This is where, and kind of why I asked the question of, of uh, Dino about the, the our government. And I and I meant that categorically, uh, generally categorically, meaning state, local, federal, the whole nine. What can our government agencies do better to enhance our care? And so one of the things that I a couple of weeks ago had said to Alex when we were talking about guys getting checked out because so many people had passed in, the, in that short window of time when the show first started, there were a handful of folks that, you know, passed away just like, damn. And so, you know, guys, we have to do a better job of taking care of our health. We have to do a better job of making sure that um, the folks in our lives are taking care of their health, whether it be our spouses, whether it be our parents, our children, our nieces and nephews, and certainly our friends. Um, don't shy away from asking somebody a deeper question than, hey, how you doing today? You know, if you know somebody's been, been dealing with something, it's easier, trust me when I tell you this, it's easier to bother somebody and bug the hell out of them about something that you know is going on medically, Henry, than it is to sit back and go, well, he's, he or she, you know, they, they seem to be okay. Nah, you got to lean into that stuff. And take it from Richard Chu. I'm telling you, it will be. It, it's it's less painful to bother somebody that you care about about something that might be going on health wise than it is to let that thing kind of sort of fester and not be attended to. And then the next thing you know, you got an issue, you got a crisis. And you know, Dino and I were talking about this a couple of days ago offline about you know how how many times folks just don't pay attention. But we understand that our healthcare system is it doesn't 
um, what's the word I want to encourage us to necessarily pay attention. It's crisis resolution when it comes to our health more so than, Hey, something's going on. Do I have the medical coverage to take care of that so that I can feel comfortable about going in to see the doctor? That's a big issue. Um, I'm all from, I'm all for a, a Medicare and healthcare for all. I make no apologies for that. Because a healthier community is a more productive community, is a happier community. So, yes, we have to take care of ourselves and we have to push the envelope when it comes to our medical care and coverage. All right. So we're going to hit this quick break. Um, and then we've got a bunch of callers that we've got to take, take care of as well. I had to give Henry a little bit of a, a moment to kind of navigate because he was handling all these calls. Number is 773-763-92. Oh, my God. Henry, what is wrong with your boy? (laughs) 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views. We'll be right back. You're listening to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, welcome back. It's Choose Views. The number is Uh, (laughs) 773-763-9278. I was, you know, joking with Henry about, my goodness, can't get the car into gear, but uh, we're moving along. Um, We had a nice opportunity to talk with Dino, and I'm glad we were able to bring him on the show, and we'll have him back. Um, important issues regarding uh, health in general for men and women. But as a dude, I'm, I'm always going to say, guys, you know, take care of your health. Do the things you got to do. Uh, let's uh, let's grab a few quick calls. Henry, let's talk to Dave from Hoffman Estates. Hey, Dave, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Richard. I was just telling Henry that uh, early on you mentioned about the cell phone problem or whatever. Yeah. And... They had a story on CNN where they're showing that some of the major cities in the states, U.S., you got they all, you know, AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile, and that they all had that. They showed a graph that started about four this morning. And yeah, that's about they, that's about the time that um that I believe my phone was starting to act up a little bit. Yeah, and it seems like it. Uh, been about four hours or so they showed anyway that it's been out and uh, and if I see it correctly they said they had trouble getting to through to like a nine one one center. Wow. You know, like the and I don't know if that's still holding true. I'm trying to pick up if there's any more on the story, but uh, uh just so just so you kinda know on that. Okay. You know, that the uh, yeah, there was a report. You know, there was an AP report that said that uh, those three carriers were having an issue. So, so you're going to love this day. So, this is one of those moments where you kind of lean into, okay, um, there's people out there that are probably going, okay, so is this is this is, it, is this a cyber attack? Is it? Are we? Are, and you know that. I mean, let's let's just be honest. You know that there's going to be people today that there is going to be. That's going to come out of some folks' mouth. It just came out of mine, but it's going to come out of people's mouths. They're going to say, was because of the lar- the size of this and the multi uh, companies that were impacted, was this a cyber attack? And um, so, so, so keep an eye on that one because I'm sure that that's going to be part of today's dialogue. Um, but it also does com- um, kind of lean up against the uh, the conversation about having more competition in in our industries. And, you know, this is one of those moments where if we only have a handful of or half a handful of carriers and we have this kind of a problem, then that that 
that creates too much dependence on one company or a hand, you know, a couple, three companies. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, one of them was saying though, too, that couple of those carriers operate off of a different type of a system or something. And, you know, like, uh, Verizon is different than AT&T's or whatever. And, but yet they all had on that graph, they all went down at like four o'clock. So it's kind of weird. And then, yeah. I don't know, like you say, it could be, you know, maybe, maybe it's all Putin and them guys testing out. You know what they're hacking. <laughs> hey, man, listen, you know it, David. You know it, that that's going to be the case. There's going to be people that will... Um, that they're gonna, that's going to be part of the conversation. I, I'm, I'm just, I know it. I can't wait to see what the broader news coverage is going to be on this today. Uh, because if, yeah. a, if, a, if AP is already reporting it as more than one company, then you know that the <laughs> other, that, that all news outlets are going to be impacted by this. And here's what's interesting. It'll be, it'll be curious to see uh, those that are on MSNBC, CNN, Fox, uh, Bloomberg, the list just goes on. How many of the of the folks that are on air have had impact on have their have had their phones impacted today, and how that will impact the work that they do? So it, this will be an interesting day to kind of kind of watch this. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, absolutely. Yeah, the part like I said, that's sort of concerning those the thing with the nine one one centers. If it's still yeah. can get through to the police, I don't know anymore if they. Anymore, but hey, uh, before I go, yesterday we were talking about those, like in Michigan or whatever, but when the 18 year old got the drink. Yeah. You know, well, they, that was only from like January 1st of 1972 till uh, December of 78. And then they, they did do, you know, they incremented it, you know, to 19 for like four months. And then, but it wasn't in December of 78. They, they went back to 21 yeah. because mainly people in your business, the insurance, because there was a, a larger accident rates, you know, yep. with the 18, 20 year olds and, you know, and then uh, fatalities and, and the thing with the, uh, um, highway bottom stuff, that didn't come to 1985, 86, where they were told if you didn't have it by then, then they would take the 10%. So. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the overarching issue on this is that, um, you know, in terms of, of, in terms of the drinking age is that that is, that is database accurate insurance, uh, yeah. rates went up because of the number of accidents that took place. Um, and, uh, there were, there, there, I just, once again, you know, when there's an incident or a larger number of incidents that take place, we're going to see, insurance rates go up. It's just a part of how our, our, our systems are measured. So Dave, as always, yeah. man, great to hear from you. Thanks for the, uh, yeah. the notes that you sent I us about the cell phone and see if uh, we find out anymore. Anyway, have a good day. Thanks Richard. You too, man. Be well today. Yeah, that's uh nine one one that we we got to figure that whatever's going on, whatever's happening to the, with the, with the, uh, these three big companies, um, that's got to be figured out because if nine one one calls are being uh, affected, then that's not good. For, forget about reaching, you know, social media and all the other craziness that we do. Nine one one calls are are, are life threatening. Um, so um, let's go to is it Thania here in uh, Chicago? Welcome to Two yes. Views. Did I get it right? Uh, yes, it's Thania. Thania, okay. Yes. 
Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I am the director of Westside Heroin Opioid Task Force. I want to thank you for having Dino's story on this morning. Thank it you. was really, really good. I want to say you had a question about what the government is doing. And our state rep, LaShawn Ford, actually had a bill that's called an overdose prevention site regarding the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, overdose prevention site, um, there's one um, in New York, two in New York, um, where people can go in if once they obtain the drugs on the street, they can um, safely be supervised while they take an opioid um, or whatever drug they brought on the street so they don't overdose. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of an overdose prevention site is also to having the services, mental health, um, job placement, even if you want to eat or have a sandwich or take a shower, all that stuff would be part of that. So our government, and particularly I would say the state of Illinois, is really being responsive to the opioid crisis. So you know that there is some work being done out there with this um, with this issue. And and to go to like to the point of like technology, right? Like Dina was talking about AI and technology. Um, I think what our 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 city of Chicago, as well as Cook County and the state, are trying to do is actually bring more human beings into the system. Because, like you were talking about the outage, um, we need to have more of a workforce that works with people who have substance use disorder, opioid use disorder. Yeah. We need more human contact. Um, because what if the technology goes down? Then yeah. people need to know how to read people when they're in crisis or when they need um, treatment and care. And so there is some good work being done. We also have a Southside Heroin Opioid Task Force that's sponsored by Maddie Hunter. And we, like yesterday, I convened a meeting. A hundred people showed up on that meeting. Are you people serious? Who work with, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Wow. Um, this is a Zoom meeting. And people who work in this uh, in this field, and they really care about this. We have Rush, we have um, UIC, we have Chicago Community Re- uh, Re- uh, Recovery Alliance. Um, so there's some great work. And if you ever, you know, want to get us on, I'm in recovery. We are all part of the system that is trying to bring humanity back into this um, this issue of substance use disorder because it has been put on the back burner as um, as with a as what Dina was saying it's only eight hours um, most interns have with um, substance use disorder but we know mental health and substance use is, is a big issue in our country. So, so, yeah. so, so Fanya, I, first of all, thank you. Thank you for calling in and thank you for mm-hmm. giving us some um, real time things that are happening with yeah. meeting, meetings yeah. and such. So I'm going to do two, do, do, uh, two things or a couple things. Um, when um, I'm going to make sure that we get your number. I'm going to make sure that Henry mm-hmm. gets your number before once you're off uh, the air because I want to I'd like to connect with you as it relates to things that you guys are doing meeting wise and other things that are going on to have you plug me in. I always want to find out what folks are doing to help. And this is certainly yeah. a category where I'd like to learn a little bit more and then be able to provide that information to our, our listeners and followers. Um, and then also potentially connect you and Dino because y'all are both do- you're, y'all are in the fight elbows deep. 
in in two different ways, but you both are in the fight elbows deep. And and the fact that he was able to share his story and you kind of touched on yours a little bit, but you're doing the work. And um, I'd like to find a way to get you guys connected so that the two of you can share stories, that there might be ways where you guys will be able to um, to share in successes to make this to, to allow this to be even even greater success for you, you know, frontline folks. So, um, oh, yes, Richard, also, too, there is just another a real time thing too. Um, Chicago Public School Systems have, um, um, it is uh, part of their strategy now is to, because we've had overdoses that have been happening in high schools, that um, all the principals were just sent um, Narcan and are going to be trained on Narcan. Narcan reverses overdoses. And then they have to create a policy by the beginning of the school year next year to make sure that the teachers and all the staff know how to recognize signs of overdose as well as then having um, and also also using Narcan on um, students as well as do they have to um, be do the, do, do the doesn't an administrator of Narcan have to have special training? Is that did I miss it, that or no? No, there it, it's everybody thinks it's, it's a very it's a mystery, but it's like almost having a, being an EpiPen episode, like where okay. if you learn how to use the EpiPen. Then you are you can be comfortable using Narcan, and Narcan is the nasal spray, and then there's Naloxone, which is um, where it's a um, syringe. But most people, we train people on the streets on the west side. We work in Austin, East and West Garfield Park, Humble Park, and North Lawndale, and we train people on the street, and then we give them um, um, two doses of Narcan that they can use anywhere, and it's not it's, it's Five minutes worth of training, but you can save a life um, yeah. when you use it because it uh, reverses an overdose. So, last question mm-hmm. before we hit this break. Um, so, how long have you been in the? How long have you been in the business? How long have you been a professional um, in this the, uh, in this fight? I guess is the question. Well, oh, I have been a director of the West Side Heroin Opioid Task Force since September. However, I've been working with West Side Heroin Opioid Task Force. For about two years, okay. we were um, on the West Side Heroin Opioid Task Force was convened by LaShawn Ford in 2016. And then um, what we can do is we convene all the providers of care for people who have substance use disorder. And we talk about these issues. And then we say, where are the gaps in services? What do we need to do? And then um, from our conversations, we have developed different strategies to work with people with substance use disorder, such as our direct services going on to the streets on the west side of Chicago, where the city of Chicago has provided us heat maps or hotspot maps where overdoses have happened because we know the drug supply is very toxic in that area and we'll go and distribute the Narcan and teach overdose. Um, how to recognize signs of overdose. I feel like, um, I feel like, yeah. Sonia, we have to have you on the show to talk about this. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it, yeah. you, you know, listen. I'm, I'm an, I mean, we, and also, too, I know a great network of people who are storytellers, who who are in this work even longer than I have been. Okay. Chicago is a great um, city for harm reduction because basically that's what we're doing. Um, and and 
And it, this is an important issue to all of us who are in this work. So here's what we're going to do. Henry's going to get your number, and then I'm going to take that, and I'll reach out to you in the, in the upcoming days. I'd like to talk more and, and actually uh, maybe have you on as a guest and bring a little bit more detail and substance to things that you guys are doing. Um, so what a wonderful, um, what, what it, uh, unintended consequence that is what, uh, yeah, is what, uh, Dino said. This is an unintended yeah. meeting and, um, we're going to hit this break in a second, Fania, but thank you for calling in. And, um, I promise you, I will reach out to you and we'll exchange information and however I can be involved and however choose views as a show can be a voice then then I would love to be able to to offer up that that service. So, Fanya, have a great day today. Be safe out there, and thank you so much for the work that you do, and thank you for calling in the Choose Views. Thank you. Appreciate it. All righty. Bye now. Wow. What a day. What a morning of unintended. Uh, I, 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 you know, that's that's the blessing of being able to do what we do. And that's why I say it. And I mean it that I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here to serve you guys. Uh, the number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views. And we'll be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey guys, we're back. Uh, wow, what a what an interesting morning. Uh, and I say this in a positive way, unintended um, positive consequences of having Dino on to talk about an epidemic and work that he's doing in that space, and then to uh, have a couple of callers, uh, specifically uh, Fanya and um, Henry, got her information. So I will definitely be reaching out to her by phone uh, and, and hopefully by email to talk about the work she's doing and to see um, how Choose Views can lean into further. Uh, discussing those very, very important issues. Uh, we can't put our heads in the sand on anything, but certainly when it comes to our health. Um, so, guys, yesterday, uh, in a little bit of shifting of gears to, um, you know, uh, getting back into some of the current topical issues regarding uh, <laughs> politics. Um, and, and, and the reason that this conversation that we just had and that we spent a good amount of time on is important is that our federal government, our state government, our, our local, regional, county, they all, have a, um, they all have stake, skin in the game when it comes to our health. And when it comes to um, um, an addiction crisis issue, we all got skin in the game. Um, you know, I could, believe me, I could build a model of the impact of insurance rates and how they change. Going back to what Dave said about drinking uh, age in the 70s, I can build you a, some models on how this impacts uh, our insurance markets when we have out of control epidemic issues, and then I could build that model to 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 uh, have a dotted line to our housing issues and on and on. So, but the the point I want to make about building those models is our governmental agencies have skin in the game, have to have skin in the game. They have to be invested and vested in this process. So. Um, Shout out to LaShawn Ford and shout out to Maddie Hunter for the work that they're doing. I wasn't even aware of it. And thanks to Fanya for bringing that to the table. Um, so we will lean into this um, ongoing and we'll probably have her back and we'll have uh, some of the group, some people that she's working with uh, back on the show. All right, guys, uh, check in on your folks uh, who may have a medical issue, who may be just literally hurting, physically in pain. Um, don't let the crisis be, you know, your call to action, be involved from jump street. Somebody, you know, has got some issues. You got to check on them. Uh, and I 
my wife reminds me often about the importance of us checking in our, on our own family members. And I always have to remember to, 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 to raise the bar there. Uh, so, you know, I want to walk the walk as well as talk the talk in that space. So yesterday, um, after the show, I got a lot of responses from people that said that they, that they didn't, well, they wanted me to, to read something again that I covered yesterday because they got part of it, not all of it. And they wanted to make sure that they got all of it. So I got a, a bunch of hits yesterday from folks. Uh, and of course, I can't see what's happening on social media this morning because my phone has decided to be part of the the uh, the downed phones. But what I'm talking about is uh, journalist Brian Karam uh, put together a list of things as it relates to if folks are exhausted. And I want to go through this as we kind of wrap up the show today because I did have a number of people that said, hey, Richard, I didn't catch the whole list. Can you go through it again? So absolutely, I will. Um, and as Brian started off this piece, he said, let me roll. Uh, roll it to you. Uh, and we're talking about Trump. Trump lost the 2020 election, number one. Number two, Trump lied about losing. Number three, Trump lost in court 60 times appealing that loss. Number four, Trump has been indicted in four different jurisdictions. Number five, drum roll, for 91 felonies. Number six, Trump lied about having classified documents. Number seven, Trump owes now nearly $500 million from civil court decisions made against him. Number eight, Trump was impeached twice. Number nine, yes, he is a kind man. And number 10, Trump has been adjudicated as a rapist and a fraud in civil court. So no, this is not a witch hunt to the MAGA folks that are out there, to the center-right folks that are out there. It's not the deep state. It's Donald Trump who caused all of this by his own actions or inactions. And just in some of the recent things, I'm kind of uh, stepping away a little bit from what Brian wrote, but just in some of the recent, in the past 24 to 48 hours, um, he still won't denounce Putin for his involvement in Alexei Navalny's death. So, to repeat what I said, what Richard Chu said yesterday, and I'm and I'm I'm, I'm partnering up with Brian Karam in this space. Um, I, you know, I, we, I specifically, but we all stand on the shoulders of those of us who've been in this progressive fight for decades. We might be. I'll tell you what I'm tired of. I'm tired of the New York Times and their crazy articles and their awful, awful coverage right now. And they've been doing this for years. It didn't just start in this election cycle. I'm tired of the MSNBC. I'm tired of the CNN um, pearl clutching and hand wringing that they're doing regarding um, any of the topics that we're discussing as it relates to this this election, but particularly President Biden's age. I mean, let's be honest, the dude just knocked off another, was it $1.2 billion in um, uh, student loans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it, yeah. So, I mean, uh, that for those who are out there upset that he isn't doing more, more in that space, how much more do you want him to do? He's incrementally getting it done. So what I'm tired of and exhausted of is the week A coverage of President Biden's successes in comparison to uh, his age and then not, at the same time, taking the moment, taking the microphone, and comparing what Trump has been convicted of, just to, to go back to Brian Karam's list, and how that's not 
benefiting anybody. So mainstream media, no. New York Times, no. I'm not tired. I'm not exhausted because I stand on the shoulders of people who have helped get us to this point, and I'm going to continue to be in the fight, as we all should be as progressives. What I tell you I, I will, will become exhausted of is people sitting around and whining and not doing the work. I lean, I, I, I lean into my man, Dino, who's doing the work in the opioid space, and our, our new friend, Fania, who's leaning in, doing the work in the opioid space and in the, in the drug crisis space in general. So, no, not exhausted. And, and I appreciate you guys reaching out to me yesterday about, can I go through the list again of what Brian Karam had, had uh, pointed out as it relates to what Trump has been um, convicted of, have been tried of and been convicted of and uh, or certainly adjudicated might be the, is the appropriate legal word. Uh, no, you all don't have the luxury. I'm sorry. You don't have the luxury to become exhausted. You might get tired, but think about the people who came before you that fought with far less tools and far less, you know, um, information, far less access and all the things that they got done. So anyhow, just wanted to review that again. I had, had a number of people that said, hey, Rich, can you can you review that again? Because it, it was important and I didn't catch it all. Uh, tomorrow is full on Friday. We got a lot that we're going to be covering. Um, and I am excited about the fact that we have, we're coming up on our, our third Friday or our third week of Choose Views. And obviously we wouldn't be here without you great listeners and uh, certainly wouldn't be here from a technology standpoint without my man Henry, without my man Alex, and certainly um, my man Devin. But we're coming to the end of Choose Views today. We've got to give a shout out and stay tuned for the Stephanie Miller Show, my girl Stephanie, uh, Tom Hartman, Joan Esposito this afternoon, and, and driving home with Patty Vasquez. So you guys stay tuned for our, our next shows. We love that we have you as part of our team. Get out there, do the work, roll up the sleeves, stay involved. This is Choose Views, guys. We'll be back tomorrow. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning and have a great day.